Hello and welcome to another episode of the Rabona podcast. Once again, I'm Musa Kwonga, joined by Ryan Hun. Michael De Silva is indisposed, but unfortunately, we have some sad news, don't we, Ryan? We do. This we is do. yours and my last Rabona podcast. The last Rabona podcast. Season From one us. done. But the, keep subscribed to the Rabona podcast. It might be coming back in another format. But yeah, our last one. Yes, our season has ended and now our watch has ended, as they say in Game of Thrones. Um, and now the season has ended and Liverpool have ended it, I think, in fitting style with a victory over Tottenham Hotspur. 2-0 in the Champions League final. All not I a classic. Think, no, not a classic, but a fitting finish. And do you know what? It's funny. Like, There's a lot of people here who are Marvel watchers, Marvel fans. And as many of you know, the Marvel kind of phase of films has finished. And I have no desire to rewatch the final Marvel film, okay. Endgame, because I'm satisfied. And I have no desire to watch this game again. This game to me feels like the final game of the 2010 season, the Champions League final between Inter and Bayern. Mm. Same format, early goal by Inter, then a late goal by Inter. Really, they controlled the game for large periods as, as Liverpool did here. And it just felt like they always had the answers. Does that make sense? It felt like Liverpool would always have the extra gear over Spurs. Yeah, I think probably on balance, you'd say that, I'm, I'm not sure if you'd say maybe Spurs were the better side. They had probably more of the ball, but I think still Liverpool looked more dangerous. Right. And never really looked out of control of the game, even though they didn't have the ball for a lot of it. You know, they never really looked like they were kind of on the ropes. They were, Spurs had a little bit of a period where he thought that if they'd scored in that period, you know, Alisson made a couple of really good saves. Van Dijk made a really good tackle on Son, I think. That's right. But you mentioned on the ropes there. I want to just jump in with the boxing analogy again. Oh. When Lennox Lewis beat Holyfield, I think, in that fight, um, and he just used a series of jabs. You've dropped this reference before. Yeah, but I think This is it's... why we're having to uh, ditch the podcast, because we need to think of new references. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> fair play, fair play. But... No, I'm joking. No, 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 no. <laughs> I let you roll with that Marvel world for a bit. I'm wounded deeply. No, I'm wounded. Don't worry. I'm wounded deeply. But it just felt like Liverpool had an extra gear, and... There is the old cliche that this was maybe a game too far for Spurs. I'm not sure that it was, but I think that Ajax or another team would have presented different problems or more problems for Liverpool. And I say that because if you look at specific moments in this game, delivery from the right flank area when Spurs had promising positions and Trippier didn't, his, his delivery was inconsistent. And if you contrast that with the delivery of someone like Robertson, who was left strangely open for large periods of the game. Yeah, I mean... The disrespect to well, yeah, with Andy Robertson, DJ Andy Robertson, that open. Right, with his delivery. I mean, you know, that guy's going to hurt you from distance. And then as well, shout out to Matip, Joel Matip, who's passing at both ends of the pitch. I thought it was probably one of his best, one of his best games in a Liverpool shirt, maybe. He was outstanding. And I think that he's, you know, had a tricky time at, at times at Liverpool. But I thought that was very much the kind of Matic Liverpool thought they were going to get. Right. He hit one pass in the first half, which looked really, really silly at first. And then turned, as it, as it, the trajectory of it played out, turned into an absolute blinder. It's like one of those Ter Stegen passes, isn't it? Where you're like, why is he doing that from there? And then you realise what he's done is, he's turned the heads of half the team. Well, we said that when that pass happened, we said that'll be, what was it that? Was it another, I think it was an Alisson pass, actually, that was really simple, but it, started a move use of that earlier yeah Allison passed before that uh, and that's the difference I think with Liverpool actually to Spurs that every time they played out the back it seemed very deliberate and actually 
each decision was played out further up the field, if that makes sense. Well, it's like when Liverpool playing out back against the loss against City, their one lead, their one, their one loss in the Premier League, my goodness. They played out in the back against City. It was a thrilling move that led to, I think, a really good chance yeah. at the other end. And the way that, that Liverpool come out is... Is outstanding. I, there's something about this Liverpool side which has been on my mind a little bit. And personally, I thought they were the best team overall in the Premier League this season. I, would agree. I know this. I know this is you know the league doesn't lie, and this what Pep has done with Manchester City and what Manchester City have achieved in terms of their points tally over two seasons is just unbelievable. But there's a way that when Manchester City play, and I know that you know maybe teams are a little bit more prepared or were maybe a little bit more prepared to play Man City in certain ways so therefore Man City have to play a certain way especially last season you know Liverpool finished 25 points off Man City last season but I think because of the lineup as well I think there's a psychology there with Liverpool you know players like Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joel Matip and Jordan Henderson and Andy Robertson don't kind of feel as domineering as 50, 60 million pound left backs and centre backs. Does that make sense? I think... Uh, I, Does that make sense or have I just kind of I, rambled? No, no, it's not, it's, not, it's not your rambling. I'm trying to think this out. I'm wondering, I just wonder if Liverpool have learned how to control the chaos. You know, if that makes sense. Like, they still have chaos in that team, right? But it's just they've managed to give it room to express itself. They've created a platform for it. I think they've forced, like, errors in a different way. Do you know what the best comparison would be, I think, is that if you're going to compare them? is that Manchester City have the positive and negative end of the magnet the right way around. So they right. suck the ball towards yeah. them. Whereas actually, I think how Liverpool do it is they kind of turn them the other way around and they control it that way. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. they kind of push it into a... They can control the game a little bit more without the ball, I think, than Manchester City can. Yes. And actually, they force people into errors that means that sometimes actually their play feels like it's a little bit more exciting because it's come from something that they forced either high, high up the pitch or or in the opposition half, and therefore has created something more of a, I don't know, something that hasn't been knocked around for five minutes or, do you know what I mean? That well, Man City goal that we've seen so many times this And season. what scares me about Liverpool is that Naby Keita is yet to reach his peak. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Joe Gomez, they've got Shakiri off the bench, fine player. Rian Brewster's still coming through. Rian Brewster, exactly. He was lurking in the background, you know. Is that when DiCaprio first broke through, like a young film star, you're like, oh my goodness, this guy's coming through, like he's going to be brilliant. It's Robert Patterson in, in Harry Potter. Yeah, you know? exactly. Joe Gomez is going to be Batman one day. Yeah, he will be. They're going to sign, they should sign another forward. And actually, frankly, once Guardiola leaves Manchester City, they're going to win, I think, two or three of the next five championships. I think the thing about Liverpool is that, um, I'm going to say that again, because I always say the thing about something. I feel, mm. I've noticed that a lot this season. A thing about Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> Not the definitive thing. Yeah. Is, um, I think we said it before on the podcast that they are so highly regarded and respected in Europe as this big historic European kind of power right. in terms of football. And now it really feels like they're back in terms of a success point of view or at least a challenging point of view, um, even more so than they were the year they nearly won the league with Brendan Rodgers and the and 2005 when they won the Champions League. It really feels that the last three years has been a process where they have got back to the point that people remember them for, like people of our age or, you know, I mean, yeah. you're a little bit older than me, but you yeah. know, uh, various <laughs> generations, yeah. you know, who are over the age of 25 can remember them being 
the real fear factor. They've become they the Bayern really Munich. Fearful. They're becoming the Bayern Munich of the UK again. Yeah. Because the nature of the this is the financing, the ownership, there still feels, you know, Manchester City, and I'm not trying to get too much into the ethics of the money because we've gotten to that before, but Manchester City is is a project, right? When I say mm-hmm. a project, I mean a financial project. Let's, you know, I'm not trying to like disrespect them. Like when I talk about Bayern, what I mean is there is that element more of the fan ownership and the historical sweep. You know, like how Bayern's been restored you know how Ajax has been restored? Actually, I suppose maybe because Everton were at one point a little bit more successful than Liverpool the same way that 1860 were the, the side of Munich. Right, right, exactly. The way that like Ajax have been restored to what Ajax were, I think, to a large extent. Yeah. You know, Ajax are back. Liverpool are back. And I think, forget my footballing allegiances, that to me is good for football. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just to kind of finish off what I was trying to say, I think that now that they've had this, they have this weight in terms of heritage and history mm. that has for so long outweighed their performances in terms of winning stuff. And which sounds bizarre for, for a side that's won two European Cups in 14 years or 15 years, 15 seasons. But I think now you're at a point where they're not going to lose any players unless they want to get rid. Right. And they're now going to attract another calibre of player. Now this is what I was going to talk about next. I'm glad you come to that. And just one thing, because I tweeted... Many, many years ago, it's probably gone because I rebooted the account, but when Klopp, signed, when Klopp joined Liverpool, I was properly, properly heartbroken. Because you knew. Because I knew. You knew. Yeah, everyone knew. He's yeah. a genius. And he was someone that I so badly wanted at Arsenal as an Arsenal fan. But in terms of, we've, we said this when we were watching the game, that in terms of the marriage between head coach or manager and club, I don't think there's a better pairing in world football. No, but he would have been perfect for Arsenal. This is the thing. He would have been perfect at any one of like five or six Premier League clubs. Perfect. He would have been perfect at Newcastle. He would have been perfect at Arsenal. No question. I don't think United because the ownership is not right. But he would have been perfect at certain clubs. Like, and you know, Newcastle, different ownership, Klopp, amazing. I think, yeah, clubs where progress was appreciated and not, expected right. yeah i think i think newcastle the fan base would have been a perfect oh God, match newcastle would have been incredible mind-blowing because it's that kind of like um the working class element well yeah. that's why i don't think he would probably have worked out that well at arsenal because i think there's a very there's been a very different energy around arsenal for a while but this isn't i don't want to talk about right this. right but, but 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 in terms of the quality of player this is the thing i wanted to get to which you were coming on to mm. now here's the thing i think at some point in the next three or four years Klopp is going to attract what you might call a kind of black swan signing. Somebody like who's come into Liverpool's orbit, who is unbelievable, who'd be like, they wouldn't normally go there, right? And it could be someone like Mbappe. It could be a player of that quality. Now Mbappe yeah. at, for me, I almost think when you are in Liverpool's position now, you really swing for the fence. Well, like for example, now, it wouldn't surprise me if Matthias De Ligt went to Liverpool next season. Absolutely. I'm not saying he will, but it right. wouldn't surprise me. A year ago, it would have hugely surprised me. Yeah, right, you yeah, know? it's completely natural. It wouldn't surprise me. It, obviously, the financial side of it would make it borderline impossible for Liverpool. But if Antoine Griezmann went to Liverpool... Oh, my goodness. Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't surprise me. Now, see, that... Now, that's a terrifying... Because that but would be a But this is something perfect, that hasn't yeah. been there for, yeah. for years, yeah. really. For a long, long time. I don't think it's been there to that degree in the Premier League era. And he'd be the logical signing, actually. I think someone like him would be an amazing signing. I think Liverpool just have to keep signing fluid forwards. And they keep have to they just have to keep signing at this point. They did what United did back in their glory era and, and, and um also Arsenal. Arsenal had 
Thierry Henry and may he rest in peace. They went and signed Reyes, mm. you know, and Reyes, you know, we'll just mention briefly because of course the, the very sad news that he passed away. What I love so much about the signing of Reyes um, as a footballer, I loved it. It was a statement of such ambition to bring it. I mean, what I love about Reyes is my favorite stat about him is that long after he, he signed for Arsenal, of course, in the January transfer window and three months after he joined, he was still the most fouled player in the Spanish league mm. because he was just so good at beating his man. And what I love about the great teams is that they, they don't get complacent. Look at the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, they were struggling. They, they bring Boogie Cousins in. They bring, they, yeah, they bring, oh, they bring Kevin Durant, and then Kevin they bring Durant. Boogie Cousins in just to liven it up a bit. Yeah. What, I, what I love about, and what I love about Liverpool is, you know, and I said this as a United fan, I think they have that ambition as a mm -hmm. team that has greatness within. They've achieved greatness, you know, to winning today, but they're going to keep pushing on, I think. Well, I think there's, there's, there's a number of factors that make players want to go to certain football clubs. I think yeah. there's heritage and prestige. Yeah. Signing for Liverpool is huge. This is a big, big football club. It's one of the biggest football clubs in the world. And it's one of the most successful football clubs in the world. They're the most successful English team in Europe. Right. So that's one reason. Another reason is obviously competitiveness. How am I going to compete? Am I going to be in for a chance to win trophies? They've got that now. And also, it's a manager. Obviously, you can't please everyone. But as a player, and we've both played football at various levels, right. playing for someone like Klopp, Players would talk. Be, yeah. You would yeah. you would absolutely totally want to play for him. Players talk in the WhatsApp groups. They'll be like, you know, when they meet up at international breaks, it happened all the time at Manchester United. They would say players would get tapped up, you know, they'd be like, come and what's it like playing there? And they will be raving. Mm. There are certain managers for whom you just you 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 rush into work to play for them. Of yeah. course, Ferguson was like that. I'm sure, you know, Wenger was absolutely like that. Pep, Pep as well. Pep, absolutely, yeah. Pep. Raheem Sterling and those two are particularly close in that respect. And yeah, Mourinho just, was like that at one point as well, but with a, with a certain kind of um, oh, of course, kind first of type yeah. of player as well. You know, first half of you know his Mourinho at Porto, Mourinho, um, you know, at Inter, at Inter. My goodness, and and first, you know, first his first spell at Chelsea, and I just think you know Liverpool really enjoy it. But I actually, you know, I sent a text message to a few friends of mine, Liverpool fans. I just said, look, enjoy this. This is a really special moment. Um, when Arsenal won the, you know, won, won the league as Invincibles, I said the same thing. You know, you just, it's so special when your team achieves success the right way, mm. you know, in such a, this was like watching, you know, Wimbledon final where you, wear, you win in straight sets. Yeah, six four, six four, six four, clean shorts. You know, you finish the game with you know almost no unforced errors, and it's just it was clean this win. And what I like about the cleanliness of the win is that actually, you know, Spurs we barely mentioned. I think cannot feel too disheartened, despondent, maybe slightly disappointed, but ultimately they punched themselves out. Maybe Liverpool, let's take a yeah, yeah. quick break. Okay, take a break. Yeah, and then sure. we'll come back and okay. talk about Spurs. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, back from the break. Yeah. So we spoke about, maybe we'll touch on Liverpool a little bit more before we finish. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. let's talk about Spurs. Sure. And I mean, they weren't favourites going into it. No. Understandably. But they still had chances and they still had bright moments in the game there's a lot of the ball they were, were very sloppy in possession in the final third I thought in the first half very much so and um, I thought some of Deli Ali's decision making was a bit <sighs> inconsistent um, 
I wasn't sure about this on the way to the passing. Yeah, there was a few moments from midfield as well where they tried to kind of make that pass into the final third and they, really not quite spot. They, they had some really good overlaps on the left. They didn't seem to exploit. That was strange. Danny yeah. Rose made some great runs. I actually thought he was pretty good. I Danny thought so. Rose. Yeah, but he, he made fantastic runs. There was the first half in particular, two or three occasions where he overlapped really well and they didn't seem to find him. It was almost like, you know, those moments where you don't really look up before receiving possession. So you're not sure what options are available when you, when you, um, when you pass. Mm. It was perhaps uh, the quality of Liverpool's defence shepherding him into tight spaces I don't know I don't think it was the occasion even I just think it was Liverpool just very good and the gaps don't appear for very long I think it's going to hurt him a bit or do you think it's going to galvanise him Spurs mm. no because they don't have enough quality for it to hurt them in that sense like they've peaked their, their quality is actually they've optimised their performance I'm really sad for Sissoko yeah. Away that hand. I'm really sad because he had an outstanding season and he's going to hurt because of that. Like, I think Liverpool would have, would have won anyway. I'm just really sad that it had to happen that way. You know, Liverpool winning 2-0, it would have been much better if both goals had been like, you know, end-to-end attacks. Then they could have gone up. But now Sissoko's going to go away and be like, oh my God, I gave up this penalty. In the- yeah, but also I think if it had stayed 1-0 maybe... But I think the fact that it was two 0 and Liverpool could have maybe had another James Milner missed a glorious. They would they, they would have won that. Yeah, they would have won that game anyway. They they had they had they had two games to spare. Mm. I suppose disappointing aspects. Um, Potter will stay. I don't think he can. I don't think he should. Well, he can stay, but I don't think he should stay. I don't. Really? I don't. So I would. Yeah, because he's not going to get the investment that he deserves for that team. I don't know anything about the investment this season. Come well, on. Pochettino has proven that he is one of the best two coaches in the world at the moment. I would say like mm. pound for pound, pound for pound, pound for pound, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I think pound for pound. You look at the resources he has. I think you know, the top three coaches in the world, I think are Klopp, Guardiola and Pochettino, their decision-making, their tactical systems and the final third are just on a different level. They're in a class by themselves. I think they are. Yeah. And Pochettino's now earned the right to go to club where he has... Not Maurizio Sarri though. Sarri's in the finished next tier. Uh, he's in the next tier. Finished he's above, finished above Pochettino. He's excellent. He's in the next tier. He's in the next tier. Also won the European competition. They were in. Brilliant, brilliant manager. But a, lot he's of, a lot of rumours about him going to Juve and I'm actually just hope he does. I'm hoping he is very happy there. Um, I've said this, I think, to you before, but I'd rather Pochettino would go to Barca. He went because of the Espanyol thing. No, I'm talking about uh, Sarri. Yeah, no, 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 no. I know. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd rather see... I'd like to see Pochettino go to Barca. I can't see that happening. In the absence of that, where could he go? Uh, Juventus. Well, if Sarri doesn't go there. PSG, you mentioned before. I mean, Real Zidane's got that job. There's very few jobs actually available for him. Spurs, just give him some damn money. I think they will, to be honest. They've spend. got the stadium move now. I think they have to. I mean, obviously, Spurs fans are going to hurt. I'm... I remember what it was like in 2006 and it hurts, you know, it really, really stings, especially when it's something that is the first time you're there. Right. Because you really don't know when are we back? where you're going to be back again. Obviously Spurs fans are going to be pretty down about this, but I think that the achievement that it was to get there this season, was the only manager not to spend a single penny on transfers. Immense, to go through Man City. Unbelievable. I mean, and yeah, sure, they've rode their luck a bit, but name me a side that's got to the Champions League final or the European Cup final that hasn't rode their luck at times or has been the best team in every single game they've played in. Absolutely. It just doesn't happen. It's true. It's Especially true. not with group stages and two-legged knockouts. It just doesn't, it doesn't ever happen. Really. I can't name the last team that did that, actually. The only side I can really remember who were remotely like that was like that peak Barcelona, Pep, 
sides. And even they in the way legs were weak. Well, a couple of, yeah, they had a couple of wobbles. Maybe Real in 2000. But, Very few teams have gone through the Champions League taped, you know, yeah. from tape to tape. I mean, there's probably some stats out there about unbeaten teams in the Champions League, but we should have looked them up. But we're recording this straight after the final. So yeah, exactly. It's uh, Maybe Red Star, Bel- Red Star Belgrade, actually. They were I pretty sick. I knew you were going to go there. Well, no, because they were so sick from gun I to tape. I knew you were going to go there. But are these the facts? Is this why you get paid the big bucks? That's why I get paid the big bucks. <laughs> no, but there are very few. Very, there are very few teams that have dominated from start to finish because it's it's the it's the elite club competition in Europe and in the world, frankly. Yeah. So it's going to be an interesting summer for Spurs. Yeah. Put it this way: you talk about selling points. Players wanting to play under Pochettino. My goodness, who wouldn't want to now? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's imperative they keep him. Oh and I think. Goodness. I mean, I, I think he'll probably stay. He's such a great sell. I mean, you're, they've, got a, they've got a great new stadium. They have a great team spirit. They have players whose potential is absolutely maximised. They have a fan base extremely supportive and understanding of what he's trying to achieve, what he's achieved already. He's got time. Yeah, he's got time. His policy of concentrating those big tournaments has been absolutely vindicated. They're obviously back in the Champions League again this season. I mean, the upside is just tremendous. Yeah, I mean, they're on a massive upward, upward trajectory. Yeah, four yeah. consecutive top four finishes, Champions League final. Brilliant. They have nothing to worry about. They have nothing, nothing to worry yeah. about. I mean, as long as he stays. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think he will. And I hope he will, because they deserve they deserve him, and he, with a bit more money, deserves them. But the instance. thing is, though, if he doesn't stay and he goes, Spurs are now in a position where they could go after someone like Allegri. Absolutely. Which five years ago would just be unthinkable, really. He did, he did that. Him and Levy did that. They have a great team together. Yeah. Him and Levy, but they've been a great partnership. But yeah, they're Pochettino's And I honestly, I honestly think, say for example, tomorrow Unai Emery leaves and Pochettino leaves. And say, for example, you know, yeah, you've got Allegri and, I mean, who, who else is on the market from a managerial point of view? Mourinho. I'm not putting him in. Oh Let's say Allegri, right? right? And he interviews for both jobs and gets offers from both clubs. I think he picks Spurs. You would, though. You, I mean, obviously, the Champions League football thing is there for next season. But I just think in terms of the whole package at the moment, it's not even in doubt. Yeah, really. that's right. That's right. And it kind of kills me to say as an Arsenal fan, but I mean, it's just... It's just hey, listen, I've just, spent, I've just spent 20 minutes waxing lyrical about Liverpool. So if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> We're adults, my friend. We're mature. This is maturity. This is what maturity is. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know how mature I could have been if Spurs had won the Champions oh, League, but that would have hurt <laughs> after this <laughs> week, after Arsenal getting drubbed. But yeah, obviously, like I said before, it's going to sting, but there are way more positives than negatives to take out of this season for Spurs, I think. Absolutely. But back to Liverpool. Yes, yes. I am really, really, really delighted for Jurgen Klopp. Me too. As a neutral, when you see someone win, yeah, you can appreciate, you can be happy for them, but you, it's rare that I think you genuinely feel for the guy who's won it or the team that's won it or whoever. Given his history with the Champions League in particular. Well, that Dortmund side of 2013 was so good. Yeah, it changed the face of that era of football. Yeah, and I desperately wanted them to win the Champions League that season. And I desperately wanted Klopp to win the Champions League. And he's won that trophy at Liverpool now. And it's a big one. Absolutely. It's huge. It's, and it's, it's um, after years of being told that he was a bottler, he was a choker in these major finals. Listen, if Sevilla are beating you in a Europa League final, it's because that's what Sevilla do. They beat people in Europa League finals, you know. <laughs> but that was his so, first season, right? And also it's Sevilla in a Europa League final. You know, it, that's what they do. So what it is really is that Klopp and I think Mohamed Salah as well, it's like a journey's end. There's been like a story arc, and I said this on Twitter before, like there's a story arc they both had in this tournament. 
whereas heartbreak, there's been so much expectation behind them. Mohamed Salah has carried so much of a burden, preeminent footballer from his country, but only to this spearhead of the attack, this sort of expectation of, even from an early age, you know, a, a striker, a forward, expect to fulfil this promise, consecutive golden boot winner, and to score this penalty so early in the final. What, yeah, a, redempt- what I mean, a redemptive, not a redemptive moment, but a cathartic moment. I mean, does he need redemption though? No, 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 not, I don't mean redemption, yeah. sorry. I mean, a cathartic moment after all that he went through. I mean, after last the final, and his stuff, World Cup to be ruined by that injury as well. So to yeah. come through all of that, I'm really so happy for him. But but back to Klopp, really for him, Klopp can just if he doesn't win anything else at Liverpool, he's done an incredible job. He's passed into history now. Having said that, I think he will win more at Liverpool. I think he'll win at least one more league title at Liverpool. Mm. I think you said, you said two of the next three, didn't you? I think so. Yeah, I think went to, I think I think because I think that Guardiola will burn out actually. I think it will become. I think the scrutiny. Well, Pep is going into his. Uh, I've said this on the podcast before. Pep is going into his fourth season. I think the, the second time in his career. And I think these questions about Abu Dhabi and money and funding. I think with the 2020 World Cup coming up in Qatar, these questions will start overlapping and mixing. The geopolitics will all get a bit too much. And I think he'll just be like. I think he'll go back to Barcelona. I think he'll go Sarinara. I think he might go to like Serie A or something. Ooh. Or go and do a Bruce Wayne and disappear to like, you know, the mountains and, you know. Anyway, congratulations to Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. Congratulations. And the men's domestic season is done. It's done. Have the Nations League coming up. We do. Which is going to play massively second fiddle to the Women's World Cup, which starts the end of this week, I believe. Absolutely wild how quickly it's come off on us. I'm really excited about that. England lost to New Zealand at the Amex in their last warm-up game, which wasn't great. Quick shout out to the Burn All Down podcast. I've been listening to their World Cup previews and they do like, I think, I said like three or four groups at a time. Okay. And they're, re- yeah, they're really good breakdowns because I'm not like an expert on like the different players uh, who are peaking at this moment. And there's some really good breakdowns of them. Um, so if you want to check out what's happening there, check them out on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, there's um, loads of really amazing coverage of the Women's World Cup. And one of the great things I think about it is that it's shining a light on some of the amazing writers who have been covering women's football for a long, long time. Yeah. You know, we like to follow it and we spoke about it a lot on the podcast, but it's not our area of expertise. Yeah, there's some apps, yeah, the experts are like um, out there, yeah, for sure. And yeah, we're we're learning more about it for sure, but there's some people out there who are... It's different level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. So, I mean, go and search them out and follow them because the level of insight into stuff gearing up to the World Cup has been amazing, I think. It's yeah, for sure, so, for I sure. I feel like I've been at school. What I love is it's just like, what my favourite thing about... Um, major international tournaments is actually just going to the technical reports in the previous tournament. UEFA published them and they're, they're amazing. UEFA and FIFA published them and just going and looking at sort of tactical trends, where goals have been scored for uh, from before and just sort of trying to work out because coaches will go and read those and players will read those and be like, they're expecting this from us this time. What do we do next time? Mm. So I encourage any of you who are like going to watch um, the Women's World Cup and the Nations League to really look at those UEFA and FIFA technical reports and check out what's been happening because they're almost like, um, you can find a lot of useful hints for what, how things might play out. It's going to be a really good tournament, I think. Yeah, it'd be terrific. It'd be it's going to be really good. And just the vibe around it as well, I think is just going to be really positive. It's nice that France have this sort of transition from France having won to France like hosting as well. It's quite a nice. Yeah, and, and, and also just I think uh, there was so much negativity around the Men's World Cup last year in terms of what was going on around it and yeah, stuff like that. It's just really yeah. nice to go into an international tournament with there's so much positivity. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's it. been quite an exciting club season as well. You know, I've got to say, like, I feel like, how do I say this? I feel like the clubs have all got what they deserve. Like, I look at this league season and the 
Champions League and the, the league, you know, in the men's and women's game, I'm like, yeah, it all feels feels kind of fair. Do you know what I mean? It feels, does that make sense? Yeah, there's no like, flukes on it. No. Yeah, it's like some of the final games, not the most exciting, but it feels ultimately like, you know, the Radiohead song, like everything in its right place, I guess. That makes sense. Oh. Sorry. Everything. Oh sorry. no. Sorry, sorry. Did you wake up sucking a lemon? I didn't wake up. <laughs> As a United fan, I probably should have done, but no, I didn't. I'm actually, I'm feeling surprisingly sweet about everything, I have to say. Um, sweet. Oh my God. I think we're done. We're done. We're done. This is our last Rabona podcast. This is our last Rabona podcast. You can still find Rabona on Twitter, at Rabona Mag, Instagram, at Rabona Mag, Facebook, at Rabona Mag. Okay, it's late. You've got a hip hop night to go to. I might still go to that. My knees are a bit old, so I'm not sure if I'll make it out there, but we'll see. I've it's... got to play football in the morning. I need my beauty sleep. <laughs> okay, well, I'll still make the hip hop night. I'll try to make, I'll try. I'll get the tram down there and see how I feel when I get there. Um, but most importantly, thank you so much for listening. Take care, people. Thanks for listening. See you All later. Good night.